This has to be one of the most inhumane forms of punishment ever invented, and was the most extreme penalty available in English law for those guilty of high treason, which was considered the most serious attack on the monarch's authority. Those who were being punished in this way were seen as subhuman, and the dishonour, pain and cruelty that they suffered was meant to create a division between themselves and the audience. The message being that a normal man would not be made to suffer three deaths. And it was only men that could be put to death in this fashion. It was thought to be too indecent to expose a woman's body in such a way. Therefore, a woman convicted of treason would either be burned at the stake or beheaded, which on reflection isn't really that much better. The statute declared, quote, that the prisoner is to be taken from the prison and dragged along the ground, tied to the tail of a horse, and drawn to the gallows or place of execution, and then be hanged by the neck until he be half dead, and then cut down, and his entrails to be cut out of his body and burnt by the executioner. Then his head is to be cut off, the body to be divided into quarters, and afterwards his head and quarters to be set up in some open places directed. It was usual for the executioner to cut open the chest, remove the heart, and hold it up for the captive audience to see. He would then say, Behold, the heart of a traitor. The phrase, hanged, drawn, and quartered, is actually a little confusing. It could be that the drawing part of the punishment came first, not the hanging. Although historians disagree as to whether drawing means the dragging of the victim to the gallows as a method of transportation, or the drawing out of the intestines in the disemboweling process. Perhaps it refers to both of the acts. In today's episode of our Medieval Punishment series, we're going to be looking at what it was like to be hanged, drawn, and quartered. Welcome to Medieval Madness. Drawing. A prisoner could be dragged for quite a long way from the jail to the place of execution. During the Middle Ages in London, the journey from Newgate Prison was a full three miles outside of the city. Jeering crowds would have been packed all along the route, shouting abuse and throwing all sorts of waste and filth, some even attacking the captive. This could leave them in agony with painful bruises, gashes, and sometimes even blunt force trauma, broken bones, and ruptured organs, before the real torture had even begun. After the medieval period, it became customary for the prisoner to be tied to a sledge, hurdle, or even a wooden panel, and to be dragged along instead of being tied to a horse. Hanging The next step was the hanging. A rope would be tied around the condemned man's neck before he was strung up and suspended from a ladder or the gallows. Sometimes a pulley would be used. He would be left to slowly strangle. Imagine the panic as the noose tightens around his neck, eyes bulging, his body jerking about, and his legs thrashing for purchase. Imagine the build-up of the pressure in his head, as though it is being constantly pumped up with more and more air, the pressure building so much that it feels as though it will explode, and the sound of his hammering heart pounding in his ears. And then just as he is at the point of unconsciousness, the loss of bladder and bowel control as the urine runs down the legs, and he soils himself. Then, teetering on the edge of death, he would be unceremoniously dumped to the ground, disorientated and in agony, his eyes and throat burning. The only hope was for premature death at this point, as many victims did accidentally die by the rope before they reached the later stages of this punishment. Drawing again 
Next, the traitor's abdomen was cut open from the groin to the breastbone and his intestines were pulled out. These would be burned in front of him on an open brazier or fire. The wording of the law was changed at a later date to include the extra bit of depravity, with the following. Quote, your members shall be cut off and your bowels taken out and burned before you. So it would seem that not only would the victim be able to smell his own guts cooking, but also his own private parts. Loss of consciousness now could only be a blessing, but many were still aware at this point and saw their own entrails burned. The actual point of death cannot be known, but just to make doubly sure, the executioner removed the heart and burned that as well before decapitating the body. Imagine the audience watching this spectacle, sickened and yet at the same time morbidly fascinated. Just like you, dear viewer. The Elizabethan Chief Justice Lord Edward Coke referred to the process as godly butchery. Quartering Finally, the victim was courted. This final action was done as an ultimate act of humiliation and as a demonstration of the absolute power of the monarch. All four limbs were removed from the body and along with the head were sent to different parts of the country to be displayed at city gates as a warning of the consequences for betrayal of the king. These severed parts may have been preserved in a blend of spices that would keep the flesh from spoiling for as long as possible. The usual place for the head to be exhibited on spikes were at the Tower of London, Westminster Hall, and London Bridge. William de Marasco Sometime around 1150, the Newmarks leased the island of Lundy in the Bristol Channel to the de Marisco family. But in 1155, King Henry II ascended to the English throne and decided to give the island to the Knights Templars. However, the Demariscos refused to give up their island and began to use it as a base for pirate raids on any passing vessels along the North Devon coast. They even pledged their supports to the Scots and French against the king. The 13th century chronicler and monk Matthew Paris wrote that in 1238, a man-at-arms attempted to assassinate King Henry. He was captured and consequently executed. It was discovered that he had been sent by William Demarisco, a raid on Lundy was ordered by the king, and William, as well as 16 accomplices, were taken to London. Marisco was found guilty of treason in 1242. Under King Henry's orders, and in what seems to be a precursor of hanging, drawing, and quartering, Marisco was, quote, dragged asunder, then beheaded, and his body divided into three parts. Each part was then dragged through one of the principal cities of England, and was afterwards hung on a gibbet used for robbers. The Last Prince It was in the reign of Edward I, some 40 years later, that the punishment was carried out in its entirety for the first time. Dafid ab Griffith was the last Prince of Wales before the country lost its independence to the English forces. Edward suppressed a minor uprising in 1277 in Wales, but at Easter in 1282, Dafid attacked Hallwarden Castle and kicked off a second rebellion. This time, Edward responded with a full-scale war. In the following January, Edward had surrounded the Welsh base in Snowdonia with a huge army, but Daffyd and those who survived, quote, fled for refuge to the inaccessible rocks of Snowdonia, and Daffyd with a few followers hid himself for some months at different places and suffered hunger and cold. At last, he retreated to a bog with his wife, two sons, and seven daughters. 
His place of retreat was known to Ainon, the Bishop of Banger, who basely betrayed him. Dafid was captured and condemned to death. But this sort of crime against the authority of the king, that became known as High Treason, needed a suitably horrific punishment, so the sentence of three deaths was deemed appropriate. Griffiad was dragged through the streets of Shrewsbury attached to the tail of a horse. For the charge of killing English noblemen, he was hanged alive. Then, because he was found guilty of sacrilege for committing his crimes in the week of Christ's Passion, which was Easter week, he was cut down, disemboweled, and made to watch whilst his insides were burned in front of him. Finally, for plotting the king's death, his body was cut into four pieces. The left arm was sent to Bristol, the right to York, the left leg to Hereford, and the right to Northampton. His head was displayed at the Tower of London after being bound in iron and set on a spike. He was the first important person in history to be hanged, drawn, and quartered. All Good Intentions Yorkshire, England, October 1322. The Scots were under the command of Robert the Bruce and the English army was crushed. The Earl of Richmond was taken prisoner and King Edward II, who hadn't taken part in the Battle of Old Byland, escaped to York, abandoning a large amount of treasure and the Seal of England en route. Andrew Harclay, the first Earl of Carlisle, hadn't been able to get his troops south to help the king in time. The defeat convinced him that the war against Scotland was futile, so early in 1323, unbeknownst to King Edward, Harclay signed a peace treaty with Robert the Bruce. It meant an end to the war and independence for Scotland. Edward stated that Harclay should be arrested for treason. He was charged in Carlisle, but denied a trial. Dressed in his robes of estate, he was stripped from his garments, his spurs were cleaved off, and his sword was broken over his head. He was condemned as a traitor. Dignified until the end, he insisted that he had only acted for the good of his country. He was hanged, drawn, and quartered. His body parts displayed in Newcastle, Carlisle, and Dover. His head was shown to the king at Nesborough, coincidentally the beautiful town that I grew up in, before it was displayed on London Bridge. Harclay's sister implored the king for her brother's parts to be returned to her and given a decent Christian burial. Her request was granted in 1328. By that point, Harclay's head had been on show for five years. His nephew petitioned Edward III to have the charge of treason annulled, but the request was disregarded. Ironically, Edward II's refusal to give up his claim to the Scottish crown and his failure to beat the Scots meant that just three months after Harclay's execution, Edward agreed a truce with Scotland. The Lanacost Chronicle states that, quote, Harclay merited death according to the laws of kingdoms, but his good intentions may yet have saved him in the sight of God. Wicked, evil, and vile. The torturous death of hanging, drawing, and quartering was meant to inflict pain for as long as possible. It became an art form to try and keep the victim alive for the maximum amount of time imaginable. It was a method of execution saved only for the lowest of the low. The treacherousness of the victim only served to justify that the state was right to carry out such a vicious reckoning. It also acted as a warning to anyone else who might consider violating the trust between a king and his subjects. The sentence of hanging, drawing, and quartering was officially withdrawn from English law in 1870, meaning you can uprise all you want. Thank you for watching this episode of Medieval Madness. I do hope you've enjoyed it and that you're grateful for not currently being cut into four pieces. Thank you so much to all of the new subscribers we've been getting recently. It's so cool to see so many people on the channel. 
If you do enjoy the videos, please do subscribe and leave a comment to let us know what you'd like to see in the future. Have a good week. Cheers.